Good morning and welcome everybody to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Jorna Taylor and you all are in luck. For the next three weeks, you get the privilege of me as your hostess with the mostess while Matt Brusky has left us for vacations and, um, you know, month-long furloughs. I'm not sure, but we uh, we hope Matt's out there having a good time. Unfortunately, he's doing a little grant writing on his trip at the moment. <laughs> oh, that will end. man, working at Citizen Action is a tough gig. Uh, <laughs> but you do hear our uh, esteemed executive director of Citizen Action, Robert Craig, has joined us this morning. Robert? Good morning, everyone. And we are lucky to have a special podcast guest today, uh, Jason Ray, a local political consultant and executive director of the Wisconsin LGBT Chamber of Commerce. Jason? Good morning, everybody. Well, good morning. We are excited to have you. Quick uh, preview of the exciting topics that you get to hear about today on the podcast. We're going to talk about the Supreme Court and a little bit about Senator Ron Johnson, everybody's favorite senator from Wisconsin, right? We're going to talk about the NFL and teachers, because that seems to make some sense. We'll talk about my favorite orange candidate for president and uh, everybody's favorite congressman from the 1st Congressional District, Paul Ryan. And finally, since it is Shark Week, we're going to talk about payday loans before hearing what Robert has in store for the weekend. So with that, let's kick it off with some stuff about the Supreme Court. Uh, pretty exciting ruling coming out of the Supreme Court. In fact, um, some pretty exciting rulings in general coming out from the Supreme Court over the past couple of weeks. But in particular, the Supreme Court has supported, uh, has struck down, I'm sorry, a Texas ruling uh state law that would make an undue burden on women that are seeking to receive a safe legal medical procedure in the form of an abortion. Robert, can you tell us a little bit about this ruling and what it means, its implications for the rest of the country could be? Well, it's a blow actually, Jorna, uh, to the whole conservative strategy. Because you don't say. Their idea is, we'll find all these ways to do restrictions and we'll try to make it sound good, like partial birth abortion or admitting rights to a hospital. And the result will be huge areas of the country where you literally have no, no place to get an abortion and therefore no practical constitutional right, even if Roe versus Wade is still on the books. And so finally, there's some sort of, with the Texas laws, line that you can't cross, even with at least one of the conservative justices, which suggests, by, according to some analysts, that there is a, no matter what happens to the Supreme Court appointment, that there's now a majority to stop further restrictions on abortion rights. The problem is, a majority of American counties don't have any abortion provider right now, so the rights have been compromised dramatically already. Uh, but this is at least a positive step that it won't, that perhaps it won't go much further in some of the more draconian things coming out of ALEC and out of the uh, right to li the the alleged so-called right to life movement um, are finally going to stop passing legal muster. Well, and it had an impact here in the Wisconsin too with. Our case that was pending uh, that Brad Schimmel, Attorney General Brad Schimmel, was advocating on. And it looks like then Wisconsin's law is going to be struck down as well. So this Texas case has, you know, reverberations here in Wisconsin and across the nation, too, which is a great, great thing. Well, so it was a 5-3 decision from the court, uh, and we're down a justice, as we all know, on the court. And so the majority opinion was written by Breyer, and Kennedy was our swing vote there. But I think, of course, the notorious RBG, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is a, is a favorite of all of us here that listen to the podcast, with, I'm sure, the exception of the trolls that listen, um, 
she wrote a concurring opinion where she said, where she called women in a, quote, desperate circumstances, uh, where they don't have access to these providers, like Robert was saying, and, quote, when a state severely limits access to safe and legal procedures, women in desperate circumstances may resort to unlicensed, rogued practitioners at great risks to their health and safety. As a woman, yep. There's been some good, there's been some bad from the Supreme Court, but uh, speaking of the Supreme Court, we are down a justice right now. And uh, recently, there's been a certain anniversary, as, as you may call it, of uh, some work that our senators aren't doing in Congress right now. Jason, can you, can you tell us a little bit about what's going on? Absolutely, Jordan. You know, last Friday was 100 days since President Obama nominated uh, Chief Judge Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court. Uh, it's 100 days of inaction by Republicans in the U.S. Senate who are just refusing to do their job each and every day, refusing to not even hold a hearing, but even refusing to meet uh, with Judge Garland. This is one of the longest delays we've ever seen out of the U.S. Senate. Um, President Obama put forward a, a really qualified candidate uh, who was, you know, got broad support in 1997 when he was first appointed to the appeals court. And in 2010, Republicans were saying he was a great consensus candidate uh, who people from both sides can rally upon. And and now we've got Republicans even refusing to meet with him. And in particular, our own illustrious Ron Johnson, uh, not doing his constitutional duty. Uh, he expects everyone else in this country to go to work every day and do their job, but he can't do his own. Well, I think Jason is is absolutely right, and it's unprecedented. Uh, there seems to be some new provision of the Constitution that's been added by Republicans that says that you shall not fulfill your constitutional uh, you know, requirements of, of the U.S. Senate during election years, which is not a provision anyone can find in the document, and these are alleged originalists. And so their idea, and this is the way they treat power, any way, place they have leverage, they're going to use it, period. But then they're going to attack Democrats anytime any political leverage is used on the other side. And the public doesn't want this. No one wants this. But they're just hoping against hope that they get uh, a Trump appointment to the Supreme Court. Which I can't is, imagine they'd want that, though. Like... Which is, well, they seem to, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which, is a, which is a scary proposition. And uh, I assume, I don't know... Jason may know better than I, but I assume that Hillary will simply renominate uh, Merrick Garland if this goes forward this way. But who knows? Otherwise, they might feel like it's worse and try to push him through in the lame duck. They they could do that. You know, I you know the other name that Hillary I think said the other day was she'd love a President Obama as a Supreme Court nominee too. And you never know yes. that's an option out there. Well, there are <laughs> former presidents who have been in Supreme Court. William Howard Taft, uh, most notable, who was Chief Justice for quite a long time. Uh, and one thing, just in terms of consequences, is the immigration ruling, mm -hmm. where a whole lot of people have lost their rights uh, to, to stay in this country, and you're having families separated right now because uh, the the, uh, the U.S. Senate and the Republicans who lead it uh, refuse to uh, uh, do their job and refuse to to simply act upon uh, President Obama's Supreme Court appointment. I mean, they're refusing to act on a lot of things. It's that. It's gun control. It's other things where you know they're about to take on July 15th the uh, six to seven week long summer recess, maybe come back for a week or two in September and then go away for the election season and actually not get anything done that's going to help the American people here. Yes. And Paul Ryan tells us what? That it's uh, it's the Democrats who are disgracing Congress. 
not, <laughs> not Congress not taking up issues that matter to people and not taking up issues, you know, literally, I, I thought Mark Pocan's response was great, where he said not only uh, was it a disgrace that we not take the issue, it was actually disrespectful to all the people who died needlessly uh, in Orlando and the other all-too-common mass shootings in this country. Well, when you look at the Supreme Court, looking at, you know, there was a poll that came out this week that showed about 63% of Wisconsinites really think Ron Johnson should actually hold this hearing, should be involved in this. And it's a, it's a bipartisan thing. It's not Democrats saying we need to do this, but Republicans and independents are saying this is how our country governs. And, you know, the, the decision you mentioned on immigration was one key example where it splits 4-4. Our court isn't designed to work like that. Our court is designed to have nine members. Uh, and without that, uh, we're failing our country. We're not doing our constitutional duty. We're not doing justice, you know, especially as we get close to celebrating the 4th of July and what this country means. So you're suggesting that Republicans confirm this clearly liberal activist judge to the highest court one, in the law, one right? that Orrin Hatch called highly qualified uh, that one. prior. Remember, they liked most of the provisions of Obamacare, uh, before, too, before they actually got Before he did it. Before he did it, exactly. So no, no, they didn't. No. No, <laughs> it's not true. God, I hate when Robert rewrites history. Oh. It sucks. <laughs> it's actually the Republicans rewriting it. They like it one day, and then the next day they're totally opposed, much like Donald yeah. Trump. Yeah, there well, is the that. If founders had wanted to be four to four deadlocks, they would have, of course, in their wisdom, had eight Supreme Court justices instead of nine. So hint, hint, <laughs> they didn't want a deadlock. <laughs> oh, so Jason, if folks want to learn more about asking Senator Ron Johnson to actually, you know, go to work and not just be on summer vacation. Um, what should they do and how can they get involved? Well, the first thing I would encourage folks to do is just call Ron Johnson's office and let him know that uh, he should hold a hearing uh, on Judge Garland. He should meet with him and that they should confirm him. Uh, there's some great reps. It's Do Your Job or We Need Nine. If you just go into Google and you can find those sites and we'll give you facts and information. Uh, I'm hoping we you know, can hopefully have a hearing sometime in July uh, before we hit 125 days on July 19th, which would be the longest any Supreme Court nominee in recent history has had to wait uh, for a hearing. And uh, we'll see if uh, Ron Johnson continues to do nothing. If you were a betting man, what would you put the odds at the uh, Senate Republicans doing their jobs? Uh, zero to they're, they're not going to do it. Let's be real. I'm, I'm not a betting man, but they're not going to do it. I, I wish they would. And I, but I think they could if we keep the pressure on them. If, if, you know, during a recess period, he hears from constituents. And if he's in an area in your state and he's coming, go meet with him. Go talk to him. Go hold a sign. Go tell him that you are upset that he's not doing what he should be doing as his U.S. senator. And what you can do is you can somehow score an invite to the closed listening sessions. Uh, and then you can get this out before they carry you away. And he also has these little mobiles that go around with staff uh, that, that you're supposed to, be, supposed to be taking uh, public input. So you can chase one of those down when it's coming through Green Bay or Eau Claire or Wausau. Chase yeah. it down. That's exactly what to do. There you go. I have this image now of Robert on his bike holding a sign. <laughs> you know. um, well, thank you for that information, Jason. And I look forward to having you back on the podcast in a few weeks to say, guess what? Senator Johnson did his job. Yeah, I doubt that's going to happen. But, but it's up to us to make sure he does. Absolutely. So switching from national topics to some state stuff, um, recently our good governor, Scott Walker, our favorite governor ever, uh, to poke fun at, uh, has been talking about the NFL. And he thinks that a certain group of people 
should be paid just like the NFL. And at one of his recent super open to the public and amazingly awesome, oh wait, closed session listening sessions at in Coon Valley, he said, quote, if the Green Bay Packers pay people to perform, and if they perform well on their team, the Packers pay them to do that. They don't pay them for how many years they've been on the football team. They pay them whether or not they help the Packers win football games. Robert, who was the governor referring to? Well, I'm darn glad that our governor isn't in charge of the Packers <laughs> because his savings, remember they've been touting they, uh, the, the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, one of the fake Bradley Koch-funded groups, uh, put out this report about the savings, and the savings were in health care, and they were $2,000 reduction in, in salary for teachers. I think the Packers should do that. Let's cut all their salaries and let's let's chisel away at their health care benefits and see how we do in the free agent market and see whether we're able to retain any players. You see, it, he's inadvertently made the point, which is central here, that if we think something's really important, we should pay for it and encourage people and make it respected profession. So being a Green Bay Packer, I think, is a very respected profession here in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, but Walker has and, and his allies have chosen to trash teachers, including the right-wing talkers, and make them the enemy when it's one of the most important professions there is. And now we have a situation where uh, enrollment and teacher education programs across the state are way down. Well, of course they are. Uh, the, the kids hear this. Why should you go into teaching? teaching? Teachers are bad people under attack by the governor who is supposed to be the leader of this state and by all of his various hirelings on the radio. And so this, he's inadvertently made another case for why his policy is nonsensical if you care about education, if you think education matters, which the vast majority of Wisconsinites do. I wish teachers did get paid like NFL players. They're one of the most deserving professions out there. And it's the only part of his statement I can agree with. But the rest of it, he has destroyed public education in this state. I have friends who graduated who, you know, on the border between Minnesota and Wisconsin choose to go over to Minnesota, be a teacher over there, because they're treated with more respect and dignity than they ever would be under a Walker administration here. And let me be clear, you know, there is clear metrics in the NFL. You can say how many yards the, 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 the running back ran for, what the quarterback's interception to touchdown ratio was, right? The merit pay Walker's talking about, and by the way, they didn't even measure how much merit pay. They, in fact, the Law and Liberty report said, in essence, we assume the money was all paid back in merit pay. Well, would it be good to track that? But even if so, it's completely, it's not based on any real metrics. It's really based on favoritism. And so that's the problem, right? Uh, oh, I like this teacher. Uh, she doesn't really cause any problems, whereas this one, you know, is too pushy, and so she's not going to gain merit pay. I mean, literally, that's what we're talking about here in these schools. And so this is not the NFL. There are not, there's not clear performance. It's just degradating the profession and uh, making teachers feel like that they're responsible for every problem in the state, which is silly. What if we televised the classroom and made it more exciting and had banners and team names and when students scored on tests, we could be like, yeah, and they did a Lambo leap. And pundits. Oh, absolutely. God, <laughs> we have a new profession for all of us. That's great. Uh, look, I mean, this is such a joke, and it's, it just demonstrates once again how out of touch with reality Scott Walker is with supporting working families and, oh, wait, I don't know, bringing up a next generation of Wisconsinites who will build and grow our economy. It's part of the Republican plan to dismantle everything that's good and right about Wisconsin. Um, 
So I do. I agree with you, Jason. I hope we do start t paying teachers like NFL football players. Um, they are public employees. Huh. Just like the Packers, the publicly owned team. <laughs> I bet he regrets saying that now. <laughs> <laughs> you too can buy a piece of a dismantled MPS building and own a share of <laughs> that. So enough about Scott Walker. Can we move on to two of my other favorite people for just a minute? Me and Robert? You and Robert, absolutely, right, right. Jason. And Brian, don't forget Brian. Uh, so his orangeness, Donald Trump, everybody's favorite Republican candidate ever for president, and our favorite congressman, Paul Ryan, once again, agree on something. They agree that they want to get good trade agreements. However, where they may disagree is when Donald Trump refer or refers to the Trans-Pacific Partnership as being pushed by special int interests to rape our country. Robert, what is going on with his orangeness? I wouldn't quite use that term, but this <laughs> makes the orangeness dangerous because this is how a lot of people feel about TPP, and he's tapping into it. And as we will probably discuss a little later, the current draft of the platform is neutral on TPP for the Democrats, so this is a dangerous opening. What is comical is Ryan trying to find some way to claim he agrees. So Ryan is all pro-TPP, and all of his comments on this are all about we need to engage the world. But he says he and Trump agree that we should only, we should only have good trade agreements. Of course, obviously their definition is different, since Ryan thinks this is a good trade agreement, and, Ryan th and, and Trump, Mr. Trump thinks it is rape. I just can't understand how he can get away with some of these remarks. <laughs> They're just so misogynistic. They're just so rude and disrespectful. It just baffles me that a, a quote-unquote serious presidential contender can say these things and that people like Paul Ryan will stand with them. So, I mean, this is complicated. He, he's tapping into a real emotion among a lot of people about the economy being rigged. He is, of course, going too far, uh, and it should backfire, would on most candidates, but not on Trump. People ex like and expect this of him, so it's like... Uh, holding it uh, back in when Minnesota had Jesse, Jesse Ventura as governor, it was like anything he did that no one else could do actually built his reputation. So it's still hard to see this being a, a majority position for an, a presidential election, but he is tapping into a real emotion about, I mean, there's just a poll out this week that 71% of people in this country think the economy's rigged, mm -hmm. okay? That, that's a huge deal, and he's tapping into that. I think in the end of the day, going as far as to call it rape is not going to help him. And it certainly is fun to see Paul Ryan twist and try to circumlocate yes. around yes, to try to explain how he would agree uh, without agreeing to the... And he, he won't respond to the rape part, according to Ryan, because he just seen it. He had he, time to reflect on it. So is there some, upon reflection with his spiritual leaders, he might, come, he might come around on that? Oh. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I mean, it is Shark Week, so this is, you know, once again, Donald Trump throwing chum out into the water. Really, really good chum. And his supporters are the sharks that are just eating this chum and cheering like nobody's business. And this is par for the course for his orangeness, right? Well, what I'm interested to see is, you know, Paul Ryan's the chair of the Republican convention. So he's going to have to stand there with Donald Trump every night in Cleveland. And how he's going to deflect on some of these things, I just don't quite understand. He's going to look like Chris Christie behind Trump, if people remember. Like, blink twice if you're being held hostage. I'm guessing this wasn't on the teleprompter, that his orangeness is not reading the teleprompter oh, yes. anymore. Right? I wonder if at convention anything will be on the teleprompter. <laughs> 
Well, my, my father is an avid um, watcher of the MSNBC and the news channels all day because he works, um, he's a jeweler, and so he works with his TV on, and he likes to tell me how, about everything that has ever happened. And he said that his orangeness is definitely becoming a bit more, um, I don't know, staccato in his delivery now that he has to use this teleprompter. So it'll be interesting to see when he gets really sick of it and goes back to his his wild and crazy ways. He will soon enough. I mean, he tried doing a couple different rebirths of his campaign and it only lasted a week or so and then he went back his, to his old tricks. And, and he did, there was no teleprompter in Scotland when he arrived the morning of the Brexit vote and said and literally talked about how how the Scotch were were celebrating in the streets. Uh, they voted only against the Brexit. So, <laughs> but facts are not relevant, of course. No, God, thanks, Obama. That uh, was that was brilliant. That that whole that whole piece was brilliant. And the things, if you read Twitter about it, Twitter was brilliant as well. Um, so, Robert, you mentioned, or I'm sorry, Jason, you mentioned Republican platform, but there's a lot of platform stuff coming up on both sides of the aisle because the Republican and Democratic conventions are right around the corner. And I know that there's some, there's a lot of significant, you know, political maneuvering on both sides. I, I'm not as privy to things going on on the Republican side, but I, you know, there's, there's been some folks that are making noise, but what's, what's happening with the Democratic platform right now? Well, I'm on the platform committee. It got moved away from the convention. It's in Orlando. Uh, You're going to Disney World. Yeah, well, it's, uh, right, it's right in front of Universal Studios, actually, <laughs> at the at the DoubleTree. But it's um, uh, so the it's a kind of Jason knows these processes, but the general public doesn't follow them very closely. There was a platform drafting committee, which is a smaller committee of of, of people that was chaired by uh, uh, Congressman Elijah Cummings, very very well respected congressman, and and uh, Bernie had some famous people on it, like Dr. Cornell West, like Bill McKibben, and uh, Hillary had had such a point, very high level appointees as well. So it came up with a draft in St. Louis. And the controversial points are, even though there are a lot of agreements, that it, it is neutral on TPP, which is causing uh, quite an outcry, actually. And it did not take a strong position in favor of $15 minimum wage, though it was vague enough that some media reported it as pro-15, but now it's mostly being reported as not. And so those, and there's some others, but uh, particularly most of the global warming amendments Bill McKibben put in did, did not win um, at the draft committee. So there are 183 people, I think his number is, in Orlando on this. 187. 187. Okay, Jason is up. There you go. And it'll be a two to three day thing in Orlando. And it's literally like a little legislature. There's going to be amendments. They have to be in it by a certain time. There's electronic voting, all of that. But it's like you're doing your job. Yeah, so we'll see. But, but Elijah Cummings will come and present the draft and so on and so forth. But there's a lot going on. But here's the thing. Um, if 25% of the, of the members of the committee want to send it to the full floor and have a vote of all the delegates, then that can happen. And so some of these things, if they're not resolved in Orlando, could end up with, with votes of all the delegates. Now, Jason would know better how that works than Absolutely. I do. And when you think of the, those 187 members, they are 
split based on results of primaries and mm -hmm. caucuses in state. So there are 25 that are appointed nationally by the national chair and the rest are divided. So in Wisconsin, it's two, uh, two Bernie members of the committee right. uh, and one Hillary member. So, you know, it will be a split committee. And I think there'll be some great discussion coming out of Orlando. Next so do you weekend. know that I know the Bernie or myself and Mary Butari, that that the, the deputy director at Center for Media and Democracy, good friends of ours. Do you know who the Clinton? The Clinton one is uh, Nate Schwantes. Uh, from Planned Parenthood. From, from Planned Parenthood. Ah, okay. Did not did not know that. Okay, that's it. That'll... Well, Wisconsin is well represented. Uh, podcast listeners know that Robert will be meek and mild and quiet in his um, participation, I'm sure. Well, we started doing strategy Monday <laughs> night with Bernie on the phone. So, uh, I, you know, Bernie is seeing this in terms of setting up issues for the long term and was actually extremely good on the call about that. So this is not about posturing. In fact, he feels very strongly that the things he's going to push for would help in the general election, would actually help Hillary. So it's not, he's not seeing it as a contest between himself and Hillary, seeing it in terms of a long-term vision that can help strengthen the party. That's also the reason he hasn't dropped out yet. I mean, he knows that he is not going to be the nominee, but mm -hmm. you know, in order to keep those issues going forward in the platform, he needs to remain that active candidate right now to help influence that document. Because the minute you step aside, that's right. it's, you don't have a bargaining chip anymore to get things done. That's right. Well, it sounds like you two are really excited about such um, things like this. I would just be at convention for the parties. I'm not going to lie. We all know that. Me and Kanye or I mean, me and Jay-Z. let's be real. <laughs> but the convention in this platform is real work. It's democracy in action. I don't think people know that. They often think it's just somebody writing it. It's actually a committee sitting and voting and discussing issues. Um, you know, they do it at the national level. We do it here in Wisconsin as well. And it's, it's people who are getting involved and active, and it's a great thing. Is there a confetti drop at the end when you have a platform? That I don't, I, oh, in Philadelphia? Or no, no, I mean in Orlando. Will you all get to like go on Space Mountain? It's Disney, there'll be glitter or some sort of <laughs> plot of balloons, Mickey's gonna show up, whatever you I've want. I've been advised that it's electronic voting and it's very quick and you should not mm. wander off to the buffet, otherwise, you know. Note to self, we, we, we know. It could be all your fault that we didn't get a $15 <laughs> plaque. <laughs> well. So we'll tune into C-SPAN next weekend and watch Robert, you know, carrying the progressive mantle. <laughs> Everybody's furlough next week watching Robert on C-SPAN. I, I believe it all love starts it. with a luncheon with Debbie Washerman Schultz is what I'm Excellent. Told, so. <laughs> well, um, so speaking of the uh, Florida coast, and uh, we've already made a reference to Shark Week because it is Shark Week, and I'm pretty excited about that. I think every week should be Shark Week. Um, recently, Citizen Action has launched a new campaign against some very, very horrible, bloodthirsty, money-thirsty sharks. Robert, who are these sharks? Da da dum, payday lending. Dun 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 dun. Who are we? We experience them. We think they're kind of fly-by-night operations that come into strip malls and have strange, uh, you know, signs in front of them. They're actually mostly owned by big banks and Wall Street. So I'm shocked. What they really are is, is that they come in and exploit people who are on the economic margins, which is a lot of people in this economy, uh, and, and take advantage of the fact that, that, that we have a rigged economy and that, that folks are having trouble getting by, having trouble paying for food, paying for their rent, et cetera, keeping their, their old legacy car running so they can get to work. And then they get them in hock. The idea is to keep them uh, having to pay back and not paid out and paying usurious fees. And so all the, uh, you know, the, the, the whole... Uh, 
you know, Consumer Protection Administration, Finance Protection Administration that Elizabeth Warren thought up and is run by Richard Cordery, actually, for the first time, came up with federal rules on these. And this is being greatly resisted by the payday lenders and by conservative politicians. But it has the shocking provision that these lenders shouldn't be able to lend money to anyone who has no way to pay it back. Uh, you should be able to show that it's possible to pay it back. Um, so that's, that's what's at stake right now. And the rules have been were released, but now there's a whole process around uh, confirming them. And uh, Senator Ron Johnson, always with a nose for justice, <laughs> announced, <laughs> announced that was sarcasm, guys, announced right after the announcement of the rules that he would be introducing legislation to overturn these rules. Absolutely. And it is making me mindful of the fact that the one uh, bill that, Paul Ryan ran up in the middle of the sit-in was to try to override the Labor Department rules that said that people who give financial advice actually have to get to, to have to serve the interest of the client, the person they're giving advice to, not someone like a mutual fund company or an annuity insurance firm that's paying them a fee. And and Ryan thought it was important to interrupt the the to not have the gun debate, but to d try to try to make sure that people can be taken advantage by financial advisors as well. So there's a lot of financial chicanery going around, and payday lending is the, the most outrageous. I look forward to the Republican sit-in of Congress, uh, of the House, to pass, to roll back any protections on people from payday loan sharks. That, that one is going to be highly watched. And these are these all folks who claim to be deeply religious. You know, usury is actually frowned upon in the Bible. Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> you who knew who knew as far as conservative economic philosophy? But Robert's second arcane fact of the day. <laughs> it's only arcane because <laughs> I'm just glad Ron Johnson can actually introduce a bill and actually do something in Congress instead of sit there and do nothing. So even if it's you know yeah. protecting the loan sharks, I just it's, he's just luckily he'll be replaced come November. Yes. You know, I, I can hear it now. They have to message him up. He go, you know, payday loans can be an important part of a balanced financial strategy. Oh, good guy. Oh. Uh, so, <laughs> so, Robert, <laughs> Citizen Action is active on taking on these sharks, and you recently rolled out a campaign with a petition, I believe, to get involved? With petitions, yes. You can find on our website. Uh, we've taken a lot of action, uh, particularly in western Wisconsin, with the Western Wisconsin Organizing Cooperative, uh, led by Jeff Smith. Uh, but we continue to take action, and we continue to highlight this issue until these regulations are secure. Then we need to go back at the state. The state failed the last time we took up to, uh, payday lending to cap the interest rates. There was an attempt to cap them at 33%, and there were actually some Democrats who were part of removing the cap. And so we need to revisit that issue as well at the state level. Where right now it's protecting the new federal rule, which at least has this minimum standard that the lenders actually have to, to have to examine whether or not the person could pay back the loan or not. So it's very much like the mortgage crisis, where they're making loans that they know people can't pay back. In fact, they hope they aren't able to pay them back, but hope they can keep them in hock for months and months and months and keep rolling the, ro the loan over and have them pay much more in interest than they ever gotten the loan. Sounds like a great deal for consumers. Um, so with that, it brings us, Jason, to our favorite part of the podcast and all the listeners' favorite part, of course, too. And that is the weekend, what are we doing with Robert <laughs> portion of the show. Jason, this weekend, for fun, to celebrate America, what are you doing? I'm going to see a Madison Mallards game, actually, on Saturday night with my family. Oh. So I'm to venture over to the, the, the capital city for a little bit. Nice. Yeah, it should be kind of fun, I think. We'll see. Absolutely. Robert. 
Well, I just got back from a brief vacation, taking my nephew Delano on a college tour. It means you can't do anything fun this weekend. So I went to UW-Eau Claire, UW-Stout, and University of Minnesota. Uh, stopped off and saw our co-op at a strategy meeting Sunday night. But um, So I want to get a little rest, because I'm, I also had to travel yesterday on business. Uh, but it is, you know, the, the River West 24, the 24-hour bike race is now coming. We're going to be a, <laughs> we're less than a month away. Yes. So I'm hoping I can do some training and ride my bike. And I understand that there's some nice new connections up in the Oak Creek Trail, up in the Whitefish Bay Shorewood area near Lincoln Park, which I have not ridden on yet. So I want to get up to those. Is that pass muster? That Jonah? passes muster, but okay. you're just trying to challenge me on the River West 24 here, Robert. Um, <laughs> and there is, and there's a lovely new connector right down here in Walker's Point um, near the Citizen Action Yes, there studio is. I that take that will, all the time. will take you from Bayview up into the Third Ward. So, um, so Robert's going to ride his bike and celebrate America, I'm sure. Uh, as for me, I'm having a party at the beach with my friends on Saturday where uh, I am hoping that they wear their best sparkle red, white, and blue outfits, and I'm going to spend some quality time with everybody's favorite horses, George and Reno. So with that, we bid you adieu uh, from another week in Wisconsin here, and I look forward to speaking with you all for the next two weeks as your hostess on the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. Thank you, Brian Wildridge, for making this happen and for making us look so good on the radio. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend, and happy 4th of July. <laughs>